Talk Money is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. <coughs> For updates, further breakdowns, and past episodes of this podcast, sign up at thetalkmoney.com. If you enjoy our podcast, help us get the word out. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to help us reach more ears. And now you can sign up for our newsletter, where we curate the best money topics of the week from across the internet. It's quick, informative, and most importantly, fun. Sign up at thetalkmoney.com slash newsletter. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Talk Money Weekly, where we do short, deep dives and rants on current business events around the world. Today's episode, Global Economic Warfare on Russia. So last week, uh, I want to apologize. I got it completely wrong. I had said that I didn't think that Russia was going to invade at all and that Putin was just playing some type of game. But holy shit, did I have it wrong. And I want to apologize for that because it's super terrible what's happening right now and, and the people that are harmed in it and the people that are being displaced and just everything, everything that goes along with this type of activity and war. It's just not a good thing. So I wanted to take my time on it and um, make sure that when we talked about it this time, we knew exactly what was going on, and specifically, we wanted to talk about the economic angle here in terms of the West's rally and the world's rally against Russia has been more of an economic warfare than anything else. No one wants to send boots on the ground, and it's too much of a risk to take. And so this is the first time we've really seen the entire world, both from the private side, from countries to individuals to institutions, rally together against, in this case, Russia and doing it really, really quickly. So I wanted to talk to my sister, Leonie Lacani, world journalist, someone that I trust deeply about talking about these matters so we could just break it down, have a conversation about what is happening in terms of sanctions against Russia, how that is affecting things, how it's moving really fast, and what we can expect moving forward. So here's my conversation with Leonie Lacani. Hello. Hello. Hi, Mishi. Okay, so how are you? I'm all right. So we've been talking about this subject, obviously, as it's been going on. It's pretty hard to get it right, given how many times things are changing. Things are moving really quickly. We don't want any misinformation. But granted that this is a show where we talk about money, the economy, the business side of things, I do think it's important to discuss what's going on now with the rest of the world and how they are, I guess, rallying against Russia, but with an economic warfare plan in this case, everything from sanctions to bank freezing. Um, but we'd love to just get context from you. I know you've been reading up on it a lot and been following it as well. But I think let's talk about just the sanctions that were imposed by the West over the weekend recently and what that entails. Yeah. So what we're seeing, as you said, is an economic war. And the reason that's happening is because that's basically the only tool they've got at the moment. Um, the West is not putting boots on the ground, firstly, because Ukraine is not NATO. So NATO is not going to get involved on the ground. Um, the U.S. also you know, just got out of Afghanistan and they don't want to get involved in another war. So the tool that they've got is economic. So the sanctions we're seeing are pretty extensive and also unprecedented. So it's not just about freezing assets, which has been done before. We've seen harsh sanctions in the case of Iran, for instance. Um, this is more than that. This is also uh, making it difficult to do business. So the sanctions we saw um, on the Russian central bank. It's not just about freezing assets. It's about making it 
impossible to do dollar transactions, and that has a much wider net. Um, and on top of that, it's you know, it's what we're seeing is not just countries. We're seeing the private sector too. So, um, you know, we saw BP and Shell say they're going to divest from their Russian stakes, uh, their stakes in Russian companies. Um, the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund is divesting from its Russian interests. Um, and so we're seeing it more about principle over profit. Like these companies um, could very well be making losses, but they're taking a political stand by using the economics in a sense. Um, even countries like Switzerland, that's always neutral, is also freezing assets. And also in this case, they're also freezing Putin's. Uh, so Putin himself has also been sanctioned in this case. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about what happened last time in 2014 after, you know, Russia annexed Crimea that, you know, sank, there was a lot of talk about sanctions and it took a while for the West to kind of kick in. And so Putin's been prepared for sanctions. He knew this was going to happen. Um, and he's been collecting a slush fund in a way, the hundreds of billions of dollars of funds um, to cushion him, the country, to help prop up the ruble if needed, to cushion the elites around him, the oligarchs around him. The problem is now when he can't actually access those assets, that's what's happening now. And that's why there's so much pressure right now. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is that he is known and prepared for this for a long time. This can't be on the West side, it can't be a long-term sanction thing. This needs to end very, very quickly. Knowing that he has around, I think the number that I read was around $630 billion of assets that are in accounts outside of Russia, in currencies, outside the ruble. And so obviously in this case, everyone attacking that and saying, hey, one, you can't transact in US dollars and some of the supporting currencies. But two, they're doing this ban on the ability for Russia to use SWIFT, which is the global financial messaging service that allows to connect multiple banks together. People probably see it on their wires where it says, what's the SWIFT code? And that is creating a ton of issues given that most financial institutions use this. A lot of the institutions that he's going to be able to get, a lot of institutions that he can get access to to get that war chest is now limited to him. And so this seems to be like, okay, a little chess move from the West here and saying, you're pretty dependent on all these other financial systems that exist outside of Russia and we're attacking you in those areas. Yeah, and what's interesting with SWIFT though, SWIFT is something that everyone's been talking about because you know, they were like, you know, you imposed all these sanctions, but SWIFT wasn't sanctioned. So what they've done is a very like surgical sanctioning of SWIFT. It's not a blanket. And the reason why they're doing that is because there are many companies in Europe and elsewhere that transact with Russian companies. And if they completely cut them off, then they can't get paid and they, they can't transact with them. So they've done a very surgical thing. They haven't actually sanctioned the energy sector of Russia yet. So that's something that's on the cards. And that's something everybody's watching, obviously, because of oil prices. And the reason oil prices matter for the world, obviously, is because that can drive inflation. Right. So that hasn't happened just yet, but that's something everybody's watching as well. I mean, that seems to be a last resort given that if oil is already around $100, 105 a barrel, if sanctions are imposed on the supply and exports of Russian oil, that means that we have a limited supply, prices go up again, prices, to your point, trickle down into all the other issues with inflation around the world. It's just not something that we can afford, given that also... 
all the support for these this economic sanctions and keeping these transactions limited for Russia to your point earlier is affecting those countries. Like there's loans that are not going to be able to be paid back. There's invoices or X amount of transactions that are coming from Russia to pay back anything that they owe um, in other countries of Europe or other financial institutions, banks, JP Morgan, you name it, where while they're limiting the transactions from the Russian side, they're also taking the risk that they're not going to get paid for this. So it's it's a little bit of a chicken. Uh, what's what's the word? It's a little bit of a um, chicken and egg. It's a it's a little <laughs> bit of a chicken. What's a chicken race? What's it when two people are facing each oh, other? And, uh, uh, you know, one has to make um, the move. Like a duel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, it's whatever. One of those. It's basically like it a is. duel. You know, so the thing with oil is at the moment, it's not affected the markets beyond what was already happening. I think that's partly because I feel like the West has really prepared these sanctions well. They've thought them through. So, you know, we've heard Biden saying something like, you know, if that happens, we're going to pump extra oil from the US. There's been conversations about whether they went to the Middle East and spoke to Saudi about pumping extra oil if they need to. So it feels like they're a little bit more prepared, but we don't know, obviously, until it happens. And then we don't know how much oil would actually come off the market. We don't, we don't actually know any of those things. So that's the reason why everybody's watching. But the other issue is gas. And that is where Russian gas has been the thing that they've been hanging on to and holding on to because Europe is very, very dependent on Russian gas. So the question was whether Russia would just cut off its gas supplies you know, as a countermeasure. And that's really unlikely to happen because Russia needs the revenue from the gas. But what they could do is something like starve Ukraine and some of the Eastern European countries of gas and keep it going to like Europe. So the EU, so North and West Europe. So they could keep doing that. The issue then would be is, you know, obviously these Eastern European countries are very dependent on that gas. And so there's been questions and I was looking at all these um, energy analysts about how much stock and how much stores do they have of gas to keep going if Russia decides to cut off the gas supplies, which again, I think is unlikely. So for the EU, they, according to energy analysts, have probably enough stores to last through April, um, which would see them through the winter. But again, it's going to be about the other countries like Ukraine and other countries in Eastern Europe. But again, this is much bigger. I mean, we're just seeing that the world is taking a stand on this. And this is more about the principle of what's happening rather than the economics of it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it the world is taking a standpoint, organizations, individuals, businesses specifically, private institution. On our other show, Better Call Paul, we actually talked about how UEFA mm -hmm. took a stand and removed the Champions League final from St. Petersburg, which, again, is a big it's a big thing. It's a big thing to take the Super Bowl of soccer um, and move it out. Yeah, Russians from the qualifying matches. Yeah, it's huge. Now, when it comes to someone like Putin, first of all, again, to take a stand and do something like this that he knows the entire world would be against him, knowing that he's been prepping for this for a long time. I mean, this is just out of like a James Bond movie where this guy's been planning this for decades. But then maybe some of his potential allies in this case are sitting it out. I think I was reading an article about, well, if Russia's making this play here, they'll have the support of China or other countries in the region. But now we're seeing China not really mm -hmm. taking the side of Russia and, if anything, just kind of staying out of it, which puts them in a very vulnerable position. And maybe that was also not expected given 
China probably didn't expect the entire world to rally behind the West and Ukraine. Yeah, totally. And also, I was talking to this former ambassador who actually helped to coordinate the sanctions, the U.S. sanctions last time. And he was saying that, you know, one of the questions is whether China can fill the gap for Russia of all the sanctions the West imposes. And he said, not really, because at the end of the day, the European currencies, the, the yen, the pound, the euro, the dollar have a lot more it's a much bigger financial system. It's very hard hole to fill. And also, I think, you know, what you're saying is right. I mean, Putin probably has been preparing, but I don't think he probably expected this, you know, this much of a reaction. And also, it's not just the money. So, like, it's the lifestyles too, right? So, like, the British Foreign Secretary last week was saying that they've got a hit list of oligarchs and they're literally creating a list and it's not just about freezing their assets. It's about they can't fly their planes and their other assets, their properties and stuff like that. They're going to be targeting their lifestyle, which will matter, right? It's not just about, oh, we're going to freeze your bank account and they can have another account somewhere. It's, like, literally going to change their lives the way they're going after them. So it's pretty huge and it's pretty shocking. I think... I think the problem is because Putin's so unpredictable, what is the end game? Like, so what's the West's end game? And then what's he going to do? You know, so is how much pressure is too much pressure at some point? Yeah, I think it's interesting to your point about the luxury aspect of this. One, it's being able to travel around, whether it's on private jets or using airspace. Then it's about the financial transactions and then it's about certain currencies and going to certain countries. You can't go anywhere. And now you have your people that are probably looking at you and being like, listen, you're affecting our bank accounts because we're trying to take cash out. And those reports on how the Russian central bank are trying to keep the currency afloat because there's already inflation. The devaluing of the ruble affects so many people on their savings and the buying power of their currency. But then two, then you have trade restrictions. So you have supply of goods that are not coming into Russia that are needed by civilians yeah. and people that are living there. And then on top of that, now you don't have cash in the ATMs because everyone's freaking out. Yeah. And so I was reading something where if you use military boots on the ground to get civilian support, it's almost like they want, you know, they have this when violence is being used, civilians of the other nation, it's hard for them to like take a side here. But in this case, you're affecting their pocket. And so they look to their leader and say, you got to fix this situation because we're all suffering now. Um, and they're not even attacking us. Like no one's firing at us or whatever. It's like you're attacking our pockets. They say sanctions take a while to kick in. But I mean, we're seeing effects already, you know. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, so I was looking at these um, reports in Moscow about, you know, whether people are already feeling the pinch and stuff like that. So we've seen lines, you know, people trying to get cash out, but there's a limit on bank transfers and stuff like that, that they've already imposed. So it was small things like there was somebody who said, I'm not really panicked yet, but small things like I use my Apple Pay to buy coffee and I can't do that right now. It's like small things like that, you know, and that's just like on day one or day two. So like just your the small things will matter after a while. Yeah, I mean, we won't touch on it too much, but I mean, the price of Bitcoin has gone up in the last seven days, which has been interesting because it's been in this dead zone uh, recently or, or it's been sideways, they call it you know, crypto winter when nothing's really happening. And then suddenly we're seeing this use case for something like Bitcoin where assets are being seized, banks are being seized. How do you get your money out? How do you get your money out in a place where like whichever corner you turn, there's some type of like blockade on it and be like, sorry, you can't get your money out, which again 
goes back to this argument like civilians are always affected at the end of the day no matter what country they're part of during war and i think it's unfortunate for everyone and we'll see what putin does we can't really make any guesses at this point everything's changing so fast but we'll keep an eye on it and hopefully have something to report in a positive way next time i mean those statements that putin's been making on tv are like you say from a bond film pretty surreal some of them hopefully everything gets resolved relatively quickly so that people can the suffering of refugees and people just being displaced and people not having access to the things that they need to live their everyday life can end relatively quickly. All right. Well, that's it for this week. And we'll hopefully have you on again and you can explain to us what's going on in the world. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's our show for this week, folks. Make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter, thetalkmoney.com slash newsletter. Thanks to my sister, Leonie Lacani for joining us. I really appreciate it. Hope to have her back on soon. And I want to thank our producer and engineer, Valentina Rivera, for editing this episode. Until next time.